If anyone doubted the ruthlessness of Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City coach's willingness to discard Joao Cancelo at the first sign of rebellion should wipe away those doubts. In Pep's words, every so often you have to shake, you have to move. But can City shake their way to another Premier League title? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No moving or shaking here. We have a top tipping team on show. Mark O'Hare won't be loaned to Bayern Munich anytime soon. Uh, Mark, Manchester City on Sunday take on Tottenham in North London. What's your overall feeling about the champions at this stage of the season? We know that Arsenal are setting a terrific pace at the top. But you do always feel like City could reel off a run of wins at any time, really. Yeah, that, that is the feeling. What I would say is there's not been too many signs that they are about to start that um, winning streak. Um, I'm sure they don't come from, you know, we don't see too many signs when they, when they do occur. But, you know, I, I've sort of said now for a few weeks on the podcast that I've not been overwhelmed with Man City's performances. Uh, go right back to their defeat to, to Liverpool when they played a, an understrength Liverpool team at Anfield. They were beaten, I think, 1-0, was it? And Yeah, that's since, right. Since then, they've they've not really convinced me, at least for a full 90 minutes. You could probably say the game against Wolves last time out in the Premier League was, was one of their better performances and then beating Arsenal will obviously um, improve confidence. But there's been times when I, I've thought they've been very iffy. Uh, I guess saying that, they have won seven of the last 10 Premier League games, so they're not exactly struggling. But I guess but for them, to, that's iffy though, isn't it? By it their is, yeah. standards. We've got we've got high standards on Man City because we've seen this team dominate the league for for so long under Pep Guardiola that we we do set some high standards and you know seeing them sort of slip to a two nil deficit at half time and in the in the reverse game against Tottenham you felt like the title race was really slipping away from them there and then but they showed in the second half what they're capable of and you know it's just a reminder never to rule them out and never write them off because this is a team packed with quality with a, a world class coach at the disposal so yeah the decision to offload Cancelo I think caught everyone by surprise um, I do love those transfers that come out of absolutely nowhere um, there's no sort of warning signs at all but it does to me suggest that there are issues behind the scenes um, there are sort of murmurings about Bernardo possibly going the, in a similar direction too because of issues behind the scenes so it's all doesn't seem completely well at Man City right now and I wasn't high on them pre-season just because they'd already got rid of Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus and uh, I wondered whether that might come back to bite them at some pay, some stage in the season. Now Cancelo as well. I, I guess what you could say is he's never reached the heights of last season this time around and, and that's down to Nathan Ake being absolutely superb filling in at fullback and also Rico Lewis's emergence as well. So um, I don't think it's it, it, it's catastrophic, but I, I I definitely want Cancelo in my squad if I was Man City. But there we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, despite all the sort of negatives I've just said there, Man City are winning matches fairly consistently still. And I'm actually quite surprised to see them available at around 1.8 or, or just below that on the exchange um, this weekend against Tottenham. I think they're a, a decent bet to win this match because they are around 1.66 when they went to Chelsea. Um I think uh, Liverpool are around evens or around that price when they went away to Tottenham and won. Uh, this is a Spurs side without Antonio Conte uh, in the dugout this weekend, of course, after his operation. Um, a Spurs side that have lost four of the last five at home, conceding two goals or more in each of those five games. Uh, a Tottenham team who have also been turned over by Newcastle, 
Liverpool and Arsenal at home this season as well. So, you know, if you're if you're sort of down on City, you've got to be even downer on Tottenham as well. So, go, going forward, <laughs> is that a uh, phrase? Yeah. No, but um, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to run with it. And, yeah, um, you go, you do that. <laughs> I know historic head-to-head suggests Tottenham have got a decent opportunity to to get a result here. I don't think Pep's won a game at the new stadium, and they've won the last three home matches against Man City in the Premier League. But yeah, I just worry about Tottenham. Um, we see Man City sort of turn up in these big away games and, and sort of put their foot down and show who's who's boss, really. And I just think the price on Man City is bigger than when I, where I had them coming into this match. I had them closer to sort of 1.66, 1.7. So anywhere close to 1.8, I think, is a, a decent value bet. And while Mark rifles through his English phrase book, I can introduce trader and tipster par excellence, Emmett O'Keefe. Emmett, as Mark says, Antonio Conte absent because of this operation he's had to have to remove his gallbladder and we wish him well. Uh, painful stuff. But they have been given a major boost with the signing of right wing back Pedro Porro, who is a significant upgrade on what they had already. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, having had my gallbladder removed, I can really confirm it's yeah, the most painful experience of my life. So I, I, I feel I, I feel for Antonio there. Are you going to see him um, at the meetings? Do you think? <laughs> Hopefully, he, he's he, he's a lot tougher than me. I'd say that to be honest. Um, <laughs> you, you, you can take the pain better. Um, the I I I'd be probably reluctant, a bit more reluctant to get involved with City here than Mark. It's only a two-game sample size, but like I think we've clear we've seen Antonio Conte has set Tottenham up really well to play through City's press in a few in a way few teams have. They've scored five goals in their last two matches against City, uh, and I also I'm wary of where reading got too much too much into things like this but it was interesting to hear Conte talk after kind of Spurs defeat of again when, when Spurs beat Fulham at the kind of very frank kind of team meeting about Spurs conceding 21 goals in their last 10 games and that did kind of provoke a response if you look at the Fulham game they locked down a kind of a decent Fulham attack in the second half they only exceeded one shot on target again small sample but I, I just I, I'm I, we did see some improvement and, and as you said I just think the Poro signing is potentially huge for Tottenham. I think the the biggest gap in their squad, I think, was clearly a lack of punch in those fullback positions outside outside of Ivan Perisic. Again, I think you can't rely on rely on on a kind of a every three days basis because of his age. I think Poro is a huge signing, and I think uh, and I think uh, as a kind of a Man United fan kind of concerns me in, in terms of Spurs push, pushing either for top four in the second half of the season. I think Arno Danjuma is a kind of a perfect player, which I can see Conte maxing out his ability. He was one. He was. It was only last season where he was one of La Liga's most dangerous forwards. And in terms of if you look at Tottenham in the last half hour, some of the subs they've been bringing on haven't been of a quality of a Champions League level club. If, if you're saying to me, I know Richarlison's kind of had injury issues at the moment, but when everyone's everyone's fit, they might have kind of Richarlison and Jan Juma come on the last half hour. That's that's going to that's going to be enough to turn games, especially yeah. against against Leicester opposition. Also, we're mentioning I think City's two best or ha- best centre halves are Ruben Diaz and John Stones. Both are going to be absent here, so I, I just think this isn't as solid a City proposition as as we've seen last season. As Mark said, their form has been uneven. I just I've 
I, I, I just, I, I don't have that much faith that they'll put Tottenham away easily. If they do win, I think it'll be kind of a 3-2, kind of a high-scoring competitive game, even if Conte isn't isn't there at the training ground. I think it'll, it'll still be his tactical plan in place. And we've seen that have success against City. In terms of kind of, I wouldn't be, I don't have a strongly in the match betting, but just the, I like the both teams scoring over two and a half goals. It's around one point, around close to 1.8 for kind of bet builder purposes. And I just, I can, I, I just, this is a game that City absolutely have to win. So I think if it's kind of a one-all with 10 minutes to go, I see this being quite kind of a helter-skelter game. So yeah, I think that that they looked a slightly big price to me, given how high scoring the clashes between these two sides have been in kind of season past. Emmett's mentioned the bet builder there. You can get a completely free £2 bet builder on any English Premier League game this weekend. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus C gambleaware.org. The data doctor will see you now. Jake Oscarthorpe from Infogol has all the facts and figures. Jake, so we've got Mark Pro City. Emmett, not so much. Settle the argument for us. Which way would you go? Pro City, all the way. There's no chance I'm getting anywhere near the Spurs side. They are playing a, a really, really, really poor run. <laughs> I mean, I can go again if you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's caught on yet just how badly Spurs are playing since the restart. Um, and I, I admit, I think Porro's a good signing. He's going to strengthen the eleven, But they've just been rubbish, like really bad since the restart. And the results kind of reflect that. I mean, they've won two, drawn one, lost three um, in the league. And their underlying data, 1.07 expected goals for per game, 1.71 expected goals against per game. That's kind of like wow. Bournemouth levels, um, to put that into some kind of context. So there's massive concerns at both ends of the pitch. They can't keep teams out. They're conceding loads of good chances. And, and their attacking numbers have taken a real dip as well, which is a huge concern, especially for me, given the fact that they've welcomed back Kulosevsky and Bentoncourt and Charleston. So... The personnel is there now, but the creativity is just not. Um, you know, uh, they, they, for me, they weren't impressive at all against Fulham. I thought that was a bit of a smash and grab. Um, a draw would have been a fair result. Uh, in the reverse fixture, Man City gave them a 2 0 head start and they still couldn't get over the line. Um, you know, they completely crumbled in that second half. I, I expect something ex- similar here, just City to be exerting pressure from the off. Um, you know, and, and you know, I know what people are saying about. City and why perhaps don't trust them, but I mean their underlying data is just still ridiculous. Like if you look at comparing City post restart to Spurs, it's just it's a completely different ballpark. Like since the restart, City have averaged two point four expected goals for per game and allowed zero point seven five. So they're they're not conceding any chances and they're creating loads and loads. Um, you know, the only team to actually beat them on XG was Man United. You know, City weren't great on that day, but they were one 0 up before that dubious offside decision. Like, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think it, it was a ridiculous been given decision. Offside. Don't yeah. get me started. It's offside which, every day of the week. Exactly. In which, in, in which case, you know, do do United go on to win the XG battle? Probably not. So you probably clamp down and, and win the see the game out one 0 maybe score a second. So, you know, there's a, there's a big asterisk there in what, what what is their worst performance to date based on the expected goals, um, sorry, post-restart based on expected goals. So, you know, I'm I'm more than happy to to take a very pro-Man City angle here. And, you know, I, I like Mark. I think the price on the exchange is huge, 1.78. That is massive. For a team like Spurs, as Mark said, who've really struggled at home all season long, um, particularly against good teams, but especially recently, 
Um, they're conceding chances, they're conceding goals. And you've got a City team with the bit between the teeth. They've got a target, which is Arsenal. Um, and what happens usually when they have a target? They catch them. Like, you only have to look at last season, Liverpool were in front. You know, a couple of seasons ago, 18-19, Liverpool were... It was almost like a role reversal. Uh, sorry, it's almost this is almost like a replay of the 18-19 season where I think it was after 20 games, Liverpool were seven points in front of Man City. Liverpool, maybe nine actually. City beat Liverpool at the Etihad and ended up closing that gap. And, and I think that this is exactly it's going to be the same kind of thing. You know, Liverpool at that point hadn't won a title for a long period of time. Arsenal haven't won a title for a long period of time. City know what to do in this kind of situation. Um, and second half of the season, City just take over. Like they, I think that they average for under Pep Guardiola or last five seasons under Pep, they've averaged around 45 points in the second half of the season. Um, which you know is ridiculous, and in one of the seasons, the eighteen nineteen season, they actually won eighteen of nineteen um, and and racked up fifty four points in the second half of the season. So that's the kind of levels they're capable of. So you know the, the the people suggesting that this city team aren't aren't there. Their underlying data is not as good as that eighteen nineteen level, but it's not far away. Uh, so just just to kind of calm the the storm a little bit around city not being there, the the, the data points to them still being the best team in the league so um yeah you, you give me this price away at spurs all day long i'm gonna back it always nice to get a good range of views nottingham forest have turned their season around despite signing 163 players over the course of the year they face a Leeds united side that's now actually three points behind forest in the table mark forest's home form has been outstanding to be fair we did say even though they signed a lot of players, we've been, I think, generally quite positive, haven't we, about the quality they've brought in. And once they'd done that hard bit, bringing the quality in, it was then about Steve Cooper actually finding the best 13, 14, 15 players that he really trusted, and he's done it. He has. I think there was kind of widespread confidence in Forrest finding a way and finding a formula that worked because there was a lot of faith uh, on this show in, in Steve Cooper as a head coach, and he's... You know, he's he's proving uh, his worth. He's proving the fact that Forrest, the hierarchy, uh, invested in him earlier in the season with a longer-term deal. Uh, he's paying them back for that, and it's great to see. Um, obviously, it doesn't help when Forrest go out and sign another dozen players in January, another dozen players for him to, to, uh, to sort of... Uh, Try and find a way into this squad. I'm sort of exaggerating. Good ones there. in there, though. I'm reliably informed Danilo is a top, top player from people who've watched him a lot in South America. think he's going to be transformational for the base of that midfield, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, that, that's really positive. But the deadline day deals, I mean, we all probably know about Felipe, a, a very solid defender. Jandre Shelby, as we know, is a, a consistent operator for a bottom half Premier League team. I think he'll do a job. And, and Kalor Navas, despite his age, is. It's certainly an upgrade whether he's going to be a, a backup option or if he'll be first choice this weekend with, with Henderson still out injured. So there is quality in that squad. They have brought in some really good players across the park. I know Gibbs, um, Morgan Gibbs-White is injured, which is a blow. Um, but you could say that the, the the defeat in the cup in the midweek was, was a blow. But actually, I think the emotional scars of losing that semi-final will have been much worse uh, last week after the first leg result. I think the, the result after after uh, Wednesday was probably uh, pretty obvious for everyone to see going into that tie. But obviously the rest of recovery is a, is a concern Wednesday to Sunday, but they're playing an energetic Leeds team too. But ultimately, I'm surprised that this match is almost a pick in, in the market. Um, I think Forrest deserve a bit more respect. Um, 
as you say, they're a bit of a laughing stock by to some at the start of the campaign, but they've worked their way into a really good position, four points clear of the drop. They've only lost twice against teams outside of the top four in the Premier League since uh, mid-October. That's 10 matches, four wins in that sample. They're unbeaten in four Premier League games. They're unbeaten at home since September, six games, three of which were wins. Uh, over the course of the whole season, they've lost four times against teams outside the top five. Five wins, five draws, just three defeats against clubs in eighth and below. To me, it all shows that they're trending in the right direction and that they're more than capable of competing against teams in terms of the, the lesser lights of the division of which Leeds have to be bracketed in there. Um, for Leeds, I think there were some signs of, of real life in their performances. They've been quite positive recently, but ultimately it comes down to just sloppy errors in both boxes, poor finishing, a defence that's never, ever trustworthy at all, um, just all contributing to a, a distinct failure to win Premier League football matches. And they've struggled on the road. They've got the fewest away points of the season, just one win, six defeats in nine, conceded twice or more in six of those matches too. Over the course of the whole season, they've won four Premier League games, two in the last 16. And uh, again, like some of the business that they've done, Weston McKenney's a nice pickup, a real sort of American feel about that midfield now. Uh, they will be awkward opponents, but just not having them as, as kind of a pick em here at the city ground, I think Forrest deserve more respect. So to be able to get Forrest off a zero ball start on the Asian handicap at 1.95, the same as draw no bet effectively, almost even money. For me, that's the bet here. Um, I'd be surprised if they lost this match. Barcelona have stormed to the top of La Liga this season. They've been winning plenty of games, keeping clean sheets. Marc-Andre Stegen has an argument to say that he's been the best goalkeeper anywhere in Europe this season. He's been absolutely outstanding uh, for Barcelona. The uh, post-shot XG will tell you that, uh, that they've, uh, they probably should have conceded more goals. Jake, they've got relegation threat in Sevilla this Sunday. In years gone by, we'd have gone, ooh, that's a big clash. Barcelona might find that quite tough. Not this time, surely. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, not not expecting it to be, um, as you said, as difficult as it perhaps has been in the last few years. Um, Sevilla certainly aren't the same beast. And Barcelona are looking you know, pretty good in terms of winning the title. They are <clears throat> performing at a very high level. Um, the underlying date is far superior to Real Madrid. Um, and yeah, as you said, they've, they've got the best goalkeeper, the best defence in the league. So... Um, yeah, Barca win to nil was something that stood out to me straight away. Eleven to ten, I think that's a, it's a cracking bet. Um, yeah, at home, Barca averaged nearly three expected goals for per game, but less than 0.9 expected goals against per game, and they've actually kept eight clean sheets in nine home matches this season. Um, Fourteen clean sheets in nineteen La Liga games is what they've managed um, so far, and Sevilla. Yeah, it's not really gone very well for them this season, has it? Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's fair to say. To, to say the least. Um, and, you know, Sam Pauli, you know, I think we all we all like him as a manager, but but since he's got in there, the you know, the data doesn't make for particularly pretty reading, particularly away from home. Um, you know, they've, they've generated just 0.86 expected goals for per away game since he took over, um, conceded nearly two expected goals uh, on the travels as well. So... Sevilla, not very good away from home. They don't create an awful lot of chances and they're travelling to, to the, the camp now who, you know, Barcelona, the best defensive team in the league. The data points to that and, and you know, the raw figures as well. Just, yeah, Barca win to nil. I, I was really surprised it was odds against. I thought it might have been a shade of odds on. So um happy to, to get that in, in there. Emmett, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure earlier in the season you were very, very hot on Barcelona. You thought that they were a great price to win the league. 
I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was very, I very sweet them from the league, but I was also sweet them from the Champions League, which I was totally wrong on. So I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully, hopefully get. He's been trying to talk you out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're. Um, I think it's it's as well. Like the, the here's a stat for you in the January window. Bournemouth spent as much money in the transfer market as La Liga and Serie A combined. So I think wow. just as in, I think, I think like, um, it's as well as I was saying the summer with Barcelona pulling their various levers to spend the money they did to bring the, the players and they did. That. I think in La Liga, that just matters more than their leagues because the clubs simply don't, don't, don't have the money to compete. And yeah. even if there's been kind of ups and downs in their form, their talent is just, is just so much better than the rest in La Liga. You can make that big leap. Uh, staying with Emmett, actually, in Serie A, the runaway leaders, Napoli, go to Spezia. We keep thinking, oh, maybe Napoli will slip. This is a hard game for them. This is a hard game for them. And then Ossiman will smash one in. Fadatskelia will be amazing. And suddenly they've won the game again. Yeah, that's actually uh, wouldn't need to be Sherlock Holmes. Now what I'm tipping up here, it's um, <laughs> the, the Victor Osman score any times around is around five to six here. He's scored five goals in his in his in his in his five in, in five league starts since the break. Obviously, he probably would have been a benefit from from, from from that break as well. Not playing in the World Cup, Spezia are one of the worst teams in Serie A. They've conceded nine goals in their last three games, and just with the beauty the beauty of Osman as well as that, like the way he plays, the amount of shots he gets off, he's the highest the, the highest non penalty expected goals in, in Serie A pretty conclusively um, so I think it's just all, all all told I think he should be shorter than five to six and if you want to do kind of a goal score double this weekend the Colin Wani um, Ossiman and, and any time double from the Saturday Sunday is close to four is, is, is close to four to one and if you want to be, be, be a bit more aggressive then both to score first is around is around 18 to one wow uh, elsewhere in Serie A, one of the biggest games of the Italian calendar as Milan face Inter. Mark, Inter are, all, uh, Inter are a little bit better than Milan right now. Neither of them quite as good as they should be. But it strikes me that Milan are all over the place. What's happened? Uh, it's hard to, hard to know, really. And I think Stefano Pioli is, is of the same opinion. Um, he was asked after last weekend's quite shocking defeat at home to Sassuolo, what's What's happened? And um, he didn't have any answers and he had to go and meet the the board after that game to, to discuss where Milan are going wrong because since the winter break they've been just dreadful really. They started with a bit of a sketchy 2-1 win against Salernitana and then they dominated Roma, led 2-0 and conceded two last gasp goals yeah, to draw that yeah. match and since then it's just been completely downhill, eliminated by Torino at home in the Coppa Italia, then falling 2-0 down at Lecce before battling back to pick up a point. Beaten by Inter in the Copper and in the Super Copper, three nil, then a four nil thrashing at Lazio, and then that just embarrassing five two defeat at home to Sassuolo last weekend. And yeah, sixteen goals conceded in six games, twelve in the last three matches. Um, you know they they did punch above their weight. It should be said to to win the Scudetto last season, but they've really struggled this year, and they're starting to disintegrate. There's this talk of disharmony behind the scenes. Uh, Rafael Leao is. His, uh, you know, his contract wrangling is going on there and he's was dropped last weekend. There's injuries to key players. Tamori was missing recently and they've really fallen apart without him. Uh, Mike Menon between the sticks is, is a huge blow. Um, but yeah, still nobody anticipated this kind of drop-off really. Um, it just feels like a lifetime ago since they turned into over in the reverse game 3-2. Um, and I think that Super Copper match recently could be um, just a bit of a guiding light, really, to what might happen this weekend at San Siro. I think Inter are the bet here, and I think Inter are odds against, uh, for me, are, are a bet, because um, 
Pioli still has the support of of the directors of the board at Milan, but there's absolutely as no he doubt should. That, to be fair, yes, yes. But I think if this is another heavy defeat, there's going to be some serious questions asked, and that that might tip the balance against him, really. So um, Inter, yeah, they, they've been far from flawless themselves, um, but Lautaro is returning to form after what was a, a really miserable World Cup, and. Um, yeah, they are the only team to turn over Napoli this season, which wasn't actually that long ago. They've turned over Atalanta midweek in, in the Cup as well. They are capable of rising to the occasion. And I just think they'll be licking their lips at an opportunity to play this Milan team right now because I've seen them in three or four of those matches and they have been dreadful. So uh, quite happy to oppose them with Inter odds against. And finally, Mark, a league and clash to look forward to between Strasbourg and Montpellier. If I know you, this will be to do with goals, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, too obvious, really. Uh, both teams have scored 1.85, which is yeah, it's just too big. Um, big match in Ligue 1 on Sunday. Um, two teams falling well below standards we've come to expect of them. Um, but Strasbourg are the, the BTTS goal kings in France. 17 winners from 21 um, have seen BTTS and Strasbourg matches. They've kept just one clean sheet all season. They only failed to score four times and at home BTTS has landed in 9 of 11. Um, in theory, they've got too much quality for a relegation battle, but Julian Stefan was removed a few weeks back and there's been no change really in their performance levels. Uh, Mathieu Lascorne, uh, his assistant, has, has taken charge, so perhaps there shouldn't be a huge surprise there. But uh, their matches since um, Stefan's sacking have been 2-2, 2-1, 2-1 and 0-3. Uh, a win, a draw and two defeats. Uh, and 13 of the last four, 14 have seen overs bank as well. Uh, they're playing a Montpellier team who've fallen below expectations. Again, just an inability to keep clean sheets. Three all season, conceding two goals per game on average. That increases when playing away from home. But like Strasbourg, there's real quality in that team. Uh, they failed to score four times. Uh, Wally and, and Kasri are back from bands uh, this weekend as well, which will boost them too. Um, I think Kevin Gamero is still suspended for Strasbourg, which is a big blow. Uh, still a bit of confusion whether it's a one-game or two-game ban for him. If he is involved, brilliant. But if he's not, I still expect them to score at home against Montpellier. And I just think BTTS to oblige at 1.85 is, is a bit too big. Loves the league and goals bet, does Mark O'Hare. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Keep an eye out for a special Champions League preview that will be coming up soon. And as the Cheltenham Festival gets ever closer, you can listen to Cheltenham Only Better better. Uh, we'll also have lots of good preview content ahead of the Cheltenham Festival on our website, betting.betfair.com From Mark, from Emmett, from Jake and from me, it's goodbye for now. I feel about that midfield now. Uh, they will be awkward opponents, but just not having them as, as kind of a pick em here at the city ground. I think Forrest deserve more respect. So to be able to get Forrest off a zero ball start on the Asian handicap at 1.95, the same as draw no bet effectively almost even money for me that's the bet here um i'd be surprised if they lost this match